The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me today. It's great to be here and to share with all of you. Um, this is a topic that I am so passionate about. Um, I am a pharmacist um, and a pharmaceutical researcher. Um, I now serve on the faculty and now the last few years serving as the dean in St. John Fisher College in Rochester, New York. So I'm originally from the area, grew up in New Jersey and went to school in Philadelphia. Go to my Jersey buds there. Yeah, ex excellent. Love it. When I get some people from New Jersey that come up to Rochester, I'm always with this uh, serious Jersey bond that goes on. But um, uh, I also consider Philadelphia my home, I'm spending a lot of time between the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, which is now the University of the Sciences in Philadelphia, did both my undergrad and graduate degrees there. So um, I loved Philadelphia when I was here. I was very engaged with Calvary Chapel Philadelphia um, and also um, took some classes here um, and really to get in the word and to study the word. So it's been a journey. The Lord has brought me through so many things um, over the years and has really been able to um, just use so many of my backgrounds, my experiences, my interests, my training um, to really glorify him. And that's such a privilege to be able to do that. And I hope that as I talk through and share some of this today, that it's an encouragement to all of you. The Lord will use you wherever you are, and he will use your giftings, your abilities, your training, your education. Um, be open to what the Lord has for you. So I'm going to share a little bit from that perspective um, as we share today. Um, I've entitled the talk, um, Medical Missions, Using Your Vocation to Serve the Lord. And um, medical missions is a piece for me. Yes, I'm a professor and yes, I'm a pharmacist, but my true passion is medical missions. I would love to be on the mission field full time, but that's not what the Lord has for me, at least for this season. Um, and I recognized that years ago um, of really my role is more empowering, equipping, preparing students, pharmacists um, to be um, medical missionaries and to do that in the context of preparing them to be uh, good pharmacists, um, be good pharmaceutical researchers. So as we talk to the, about this today, I want you to really think about that in the context of your own vocation. Um, and so that idea of medical missions for me or being a pharmacist and a Christian pharmacist, um, I want you to be able to translate that into whatever your own vocation training is. Um, and so as you think about that, um, we'll walk through some of those pieces and use that as an example. If we look at some examples that we have, um, you look at the Bible, we see the Apostle Paul, right? And he's an incredible missionary evangelist, travels all around, but he was also a tent maker, right? And so we're reminded of that. In fact, we use that term tent maker now as we look at missions and actually going and in, um, accepting some type of uh, financial support uh, through your vocational work um, to help support that. But um, when Paul did that, he, he made have done it, yes, maybe to get some funds and to help support, but he also was highly supported by the churches that he ministered to. One of the reasons that he also um, was a tent maker was really to be in community and to really be in a place where God could use him. He was there amongst the Gentiles when he was there being a tent maker. And so that gave him opportunity for relationships and to talk to people and to be able to um, really expand God's kingdom and share about God in that place. And so you think about that of using your vocation to really be able to impact and, and to contact people that you might not be able to do 
if you're maybe in a, a pastoral role or a full-time ministry within a church, or which are all wonderful, wonderful things, but really using that vocation to make sure that we have uh, Christians with really a heart for the Lord in every community that we have. I'll also share with you today um, of what I, how I view Christ um, in many different ways, but I also view him as the ultimate medical missionary, and I'm going to share with you that today also um, for me. And so as you take that to your application and to your life, is to really think about um, how do you see Christ? How does it relate to your vocation? Do you see him as an educator? Maybe you're training to be an educator. Do you see him as being um, a social worker and helping people? Um, in the health fields, because um, he did all these things when Christ walked the earth as well. Um, and so we'll take a look at that as today. And then um, I just reminded of, of Acts 1-8 when we talk about going out into um, these different places to really be a witness for Christ. Um, we're reminded of that verse, which is for all of us. Um, but you will receive the, the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the, the ends of the earth, to so the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's important, no matter where we go, whether it's local right here at home or it's those far ends of the earth, we have an opportunity and a role to serve there. Um, of course, the Great Commission, well-known verse, um, verses, um, when Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So all nations everywhere, um, here as well, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So the Great Commission reminder to all of us as Christians uh, to be actively engaged in uh, mission work in some way, in your backyard or across the, across the globe. I want to look at Christ as an example, and I mentioned I'm going to talk about Christ as a medical missionary, but let's look at Christ as really a model of servanthood. And if we think about um, uh, modeling that and that application to our lives, um, we look at this verse from Mark. So Mark uh, 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Christ served the ultimate, um, paid the ultimate sacrifice for for us, right? And he's not always asking all of us to do that, but he is asking us to serve, and to serving in, in a way that um, you can do in your daily life, that you can do through your vocation, you can do on, um, on trips, you can do locally in your community, wherever that is, every day, and sometimes in your own home. Um, whatever that may be, we are called to do that. Looking at Christ as a, a servant and servanthood, I often uh, refer to this as really um, what I see as Christ's two-handed um, approach or his two um, different sides of the way that he serves. Number one, it's spiritually, right? He's the here on earth. He walked on this earth and he served his father. His goal was to tell people about God in heaven, about his father, to tell them about um, the salvation that they could have and to follow after him. And so that spiritual perspective was always on Jesus' mind, and that's often what we think about as we look about at uh, missions and, and outreach and community and really bringing people into the fold of um, our faith. But um, he also, he didn't do that alone, right? He didn't do that just on the spiritual side. He also met the physical needs of people as he walked on this earth. And so that's that two-handed, that they always was side by side if you look at his ministry and what he did. He became a servant to the people around him. So he has compassion 
Um, we, we look at the woman with the issue of blood. Um, we look at how he reached out to the children, to people that, the leper, people that uh, were discarded or that um, people didn't want to be around, and he cared for them. He provided for physical needs, feeding the 5,000, um, providing healing to people, um, uh, numerous aspects that he met people where they are with very physical needs in that realm. And so we see that relationship of that two-handed, the physical and the spiritual, side by side, and really impacting people in that way. So if we look at Christ, I often see it in through the lens of seeing, wow, you know what? He's the ultimate. He's the model medical missionary as I see it. Because, um, again, this is my heart. So when you look at this, you look at him as the model educator, the model social worker, the model um, teacher, whatever that is um, for you personally. But I see him as a model medical missionary. When he's here on this earth, he's telling about his father. He's showing everyone. Um, and, and, and without uh, question, that is the number one. Um, but he's meeting the needs of people. And if he's here on this earth today, he's going to be involved in humanitarian aid. And he's going to be helping people, uh, feeding the homeless, or um, helping out in medical care. And those are the things that we do as we go out on the mission field and do these, this type of work. And if you think about Jesus as being a, a missionary, he also traveled to a foreign land, right? He left the side of the Father and came to earth, a foreign land that he didn't know, he wasn't comfortable in, he never fit in, um, and yet he was here. Why? To tell people about his Father, to help them, to really serve them. So he's like a foreign missionary, um, came to a place to serve and to help and to tell people for a period of time, and then went back to his Father in heaven. So I think about uh, the verse um, from Matthew 9.35 as we, we look at this. Um, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So he's going and he's telling, but he's also healing, and he's using those two um, in combination, which is a beautiful way. If you look at the number of, um, of uh, uh, miracles that Jesus did when he walked on this earth, and each of the Gospels has a slightly different way that they tell them and the reflections and various pieces, but if you look at the Gospel of Mark um, and look at um, the miracles that are listed there, there are 18 miracles in total listed in the book of Mark. Nine of them are over disease. Nine of them are related to healing or disease of some sort. Five of them are over nature, so calming the storms and those aspects, and four of them are over forces of evil, so maybe casting out evil spirits. So when I look at that, I think, wow, most of his miracles, at least the ones recorded in Mark, are around healing, are around medical, are around health. That's amazing. He saw it as a way to really minister to people, and he used that as a way to really impact them and to touch them, and then again, to take it to the next level of the spiritual realm as well. So the, the various miracles of, of healing, uh, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, the cleansing of a leper, the healing of a paralyzed man, uh, the man with a withered hand, Jairus' daughter from the dead, the healing of a woman with um, bleeding, the deaf mute, the blind man, blind Bartimaeus. Um, and again, there's other um, uh, miracles that are listed in other, other gospels, but uh, Think about that, of how much of those um, miracles he chose medicine, he chose healing to impact um, people. 
And so I think about that when we, when we go out and we do missions and we think about medical missions. Medical missions to me is truly a platform for being able to interact with, with people, to build trust, to build relationship, to meet those physical needs, but it is truly a platform for the gospel. It is a platform to be able to share spiritually with them. It is an opportunity to be able to interact those patients come to us. We don't have to go out and, hey, you know, trying to meet you. Can I come in and talk with you for a few minutes? They are storming to us. And a lot of the trips that, that I'm involved with, we do short-term medical mission trips. And we set up a medical camp in maybe a community or in a church or in a school building. And we advertise ahead of time that, you know, our, our local partners will be engaged, very engaged on that aspect. And we sometimes arrive, and there are 200 people waiting outside, waiting for the medical team to arrive. And you think, wow, these people are flooding to us. Um, so now we have, and they come in and they immediately start sharing their stories. Oh, I have this problem, this happened, oh, this happened in my home. And sometimes they get into a personal matter of, oh, you know, well, my husband isn't very good to me and my child, there's this situation. And you end up in these conversations that like, wow, I just met this person like two minutes ago and they're sharing their whole heart with you. And there's an opportunity there that then one-on-one -on -one, to say, okay, we're gonna take care of those physical needs for you today. We're gonna get you some meds, we're gonna get you some physical therapy, or we're going to try to hook you up with another doctor that may be local, and we're going to get you what you need. But let's also talk about what's really going on and what else is happening in the home. And that's an opportunity to really pray for them. Sometimes there's an opportunity to share the gospel directly, depending on the situation or the location that you're in. Um, but it is a, it is a opportunity and a, a platform to be able to really get to that place. Relationship is built through medicine, and then we can take it to a spiritual level. And sometimes we can do that in a very quick time. And that uh, medicine provides that platform for that. There is a, um, a quote from uh, Thomas Hale that I love to share. Thomas Hale was a medical missionary in Nepal for most of his career. Um, he served in a hospital, the Anthopal Hospital. It's up on a mountainside. Um, I love the Thomas Hale stories. He's written several books. Um, if you want a great book to read over spring break, read some of Thomas Hale's work. Um, him and his wife, Cynthia, were both physicians and served most of their career um, in Nepal. Uh, the, I always love their story in that they are the, the hospital that they've served in, I had the opportunity to visit there many years ago. It's on a mountainside that you can only hike to. So it's about a six-hour hike up a mountain. There are no roads to that hospital. Um, and he, he lived up there. Amazing. But he's written some great works um, about medical missions and uh, really seen a lot through his lifetime. And I, I love this quote from him. He says, missionary work must be a combination of deeds and words and deeds. It's not enough to talk about God's love. We have to show it. The health field provides some of the most, if not the most, effective means of showing God's love in the context of the missionary enterprise. What a privilege we have. And he recognized that. What a privilege. People come into his hospital, and he suddenly has an opportunity to minister to them, not only physically, but spiritually as well. So where are medical missions happening, and where are these different settings that we can work in? We can work in a variety of different, that mission hospital like Thomas Hale worked in, rural clinics, sometimes mobile medical clinics that we set up in a community and then we take those down after a week and move on. Um, we do a lot of health education around the world these days. That's so important. You don't need a lot of health uh, medical training to do good health education. Probably everyone in this room is prepared to do health education tomorrow. Um, sometimes it's as simple 
as hand washing and disease prevention or how to brush teeth and simple things that we take for granted in America that are so, so valuable to people in some communities that maybe don't have a toothbrush or don't even have access to soap or understand the importance of really that disease prevention, simple things that we can do. Um, teaching in a university, those are wonderful things to be a tent maker and to go work in a university in a developing nation where you can be a real witness for Christ. Um, public health and development, there's so much work that needs to be done in this area in clean water supplies and wells and really working in uh, communities to further health um, perspectives. And relief work, um, we had projects a couple years ago, a number of years ago, when the, after the tsunami hit uh, South India and so many people were impacted there and there's often work to be done around earthquakes and um, uh, different natural disasters that happen that are so important as well. I'm gonna share a little bit of a model here um, around some of the work we do in medical missions and many people, this isn't unique, um, this is a, a mobile medical clinic and some of you maybe in this group maybe have even been involved in some of those. Um, these are ways that we use our uh, medical background and our health training to be able to be coupled with the gospel in some of these medical mission aspects. So a lot of times we'll set up a short-term medical um, trip, um, a medical team where we'll go in, we always partner with a local group, that's so, so important. You never want to do what I always refer to as kind of this parachute missions where you just kind of drop down and think you're going to save the world. Especially in the health field, you really don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you really uh, know the culture on the ground and you have a local partner that's going to be able to follow up with patients that understands the health care there. Um, but we usually set up um, a medical camp um, in those settings. And we have a project we do in India every year um, that's very similar to this, and um, a project in El Salvador we've done for many, many years. But um, this is a typical model. Um, patients will come in. They'll meet at the first station, usually around a, uh, a registration or a check-in area. And then they'll move to a triage area where they'll ask them about their signs and symptoms, or they'll take their blood pressure. We often do blood pressure and diabetes screenings in those settings. We often do a lot of health education around that time. Patients are waiting, they're in line, or they're uh, caught up kind of waiting for the physician, and sometimes it's a great time to do a 10-minute health teaching. And a lot of our teammates, our non-medical teammates, get involved in those. Um, and then typically they'll go to the provider from there, physician, maybe we have a PA or a nurse practitioner with us. Um, we often have dental with us. Patients will wait all day to see dentists um, or even dental hygienists. Um, sometimes people have never seen a dentist in their entire life, and they think, wow, I can get some free dental care here. They'll wait all day for that. Eyeglasses. I have to say, I'd done many medical mission trips where no eyeglass service were there, and I went on one trip um, where they were giving out reading glasses, and to recognize the impact that that can have on an individual. Giving sight to the blind, I mean, in the simplest way, of people would be so, so appreciative. You watch people cry when you hand them a pair of reading glasses. You sit down with a very simple reading chart, um, and we get these glasses typically either at the dollar store in America, or we buy them in bulk for about 60 cents a piece, and people will wait for them and they'll say, oh, my husband and I only have one pair of reading glasses in our house and we're always fighting over them. You know, oh, this is so amazing. I can get another pair of reading glasses for, just for me. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, we paid 60 cents for that. You know, but to recognize the impacts that we can have in small, small things like this. My husband often comes with us on our short-term trips when, whenever his schedule allows. He's a software engineer. He's not medical in any way. Um, but he often runs the eyeglass station. He's really taken some ownership for that and really engages and just has an amazing experience there. You don't need any medical background at all. 
For our trips, we typically will funnel everybody back to the pharmacy. Um, I often bring pharmacy students on trips with me, or we have a pharmacy component on that if I'm involved in it. So um, usually everybody gets vitamins. Um, most people will get some type of other medication, but it's that idea of they're not leaving that day without something even if it's just as simple as vitamins for them. So usually everyone will funnel back to that. And then that last station, so important for that spiritual aspect, right? So all those physical things that I mentioned, but that last station we have, and depending on what country we're in and what we're doing, it may look a little different. Sometimes it's a prayer station and we just advertise it that way. In India, we work with a lot of Hindus and Muslims and some Christians are there. So we say, we call it a prayer station and we say, would you like to have prayer? We're gonna pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And almost no one will say, no thank you. Almost because it's a very spiritual country. A lot of people really value uh, spiritual things, yet they don't necessarily know what Jesus Christ is or, oh, it's one of the many gods. And so, yes, I want to be prayed for. And they'll come and they'll be prayed for, and that provides an opportunity sometimes for some follow-up conversation. Um, and evangelism can occur, or you can give a Bible, and opportunities are there. In some countries, we have a lot of freedom. We're working in El Salvador. It's a predominantly Catholic nation. We have a lot of animism, and some of the natural um, religions are still there mixed in. But um, it's very free. We can talk about evangelism. We can give out Bibles, and it's very comfortable there. So we have more of an evangelism focus at that station in those trips. Um, in some places, um, after we did those tsunami trips a few years ago, a lot of the families had, um, people had come in, and they'd lost a family member. They'd lost their home. They'd been through a traumatic event. And so we set up that last station with counselors so that individuals could come and not only be prayed for, but also really get some good counseling in that station because we recognize so many of the people were really struggling in those ways. So lots of ways to be able to meet those needs and really couple the spiritual and the physical together. Um, we found over the years that really doing the screenings has been so valuable. Blood pressure and diabetes screenings gives great experience to the students that are part. I always have my students uh, prepare educational packets and things um, for them um, as well. But um, these types of chronic diseases are becoming so prevalent around the world. It used to be a place like India or in Africa, and we would be struggling with infectious diseases, diarrhea, and various concerns there. Now all of these countries are struggling with hypertension and diabetes just like we are in America. So it's really changed, it's really shifted um, around the world, but these are great, great needs everywhere. We've also focused, as I mentioned earlier, a lot on health education. In fact, we've made a shift. I, I'm a huge advocate for this to say, you know, even as a pharmacist, you know, it's not always about just handing out a pill, right? And that may help you for four hours until that, you know, pill goes away and, you know, it's, it moves on. If we can educate you on how to stay healthy and really talk about some disease prevention first, let's even prevent you even getting sick so you don't need any of those medications. So really coupling those together. There's some urgent things and some acute things that need to be addressed right there. We're going to handle those. But let's talk about the root of the cause. And that health education is so important on so many levels. In some of the places we are, we do a women's health uh, day. We do a five-day clinic, um, and then the sixth day, we take just the women. And we gather all the women on our health team and all the women in that community, and we just talk about women's health. I'm a woman. You're a woman. You know, here are the challenges I have in America. I'm going to tell you about those, and I'm going to educate you on some of these things. And we connect with the women in amazing ways. Um, it can really uh, be amazing in those realms. So um, as I mentioned, the end of the medical camp, we always have a prayer station, or depending on the country, what kind of um, situation it may be. Work we did in Nepal years ago, um, we used to do, we used to show the Jesus film um, in the evening. And so you can see up on the, 
the wall of that school there, we had four bed sheets that um, were sewn together and we hang them on the wall of the school and we all day we would invite people, come back and see the movie we're showing tonight. You know, we're gonna show a movie about a man named Jesus. And as simple as that, right? Come if you want to. We're gonna give you medical care and take care of you all day and then come back if you want. And in the evening, people would just flock, and we'd have the Jesus movie in the national language with a national um, pastor there to be able to follow up. So just wonderful ways to be able to couple those things together and really show love in a tangible way, meeting those physical needs with the spiritual opportunities right behind that. Um, you know, some people will say to me, well, I'm really nervous about traveling overseas, or maybe I have a physical condition that doesn't allow me to travel, and say, you know what, there's so many things we can do here in America. You know, you don't want to travel all over the world, no problem. You know what, the whole world has come to us <laughs> in America. Philadelphia, absolutely. Rochester, New York, absolutely. We have refugees um, that have come from all over the world. We're a refugee-receiving city in Rochester. I know Philadelphia is as well. Um, migrant workers. Um, I had not had much I lived in Florida for a few years in between um, my various places, but I had no idea all these migrant workers were just living about 15 minutes from where I was. And it turns out there was a huge migrant workers medical clinic just like 15 minutes away from my house. I think I lived there for four years before I knew that. What an opportunity to minister to people um, from all over the world that have come right to our backyard. So there are pockets of ethnic communities, of different subgroups that are sometimes right within us. Um, you know, I'm reminded of that verse again from Acts 1.8, right, that says, you will receive the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem, right? So when Jesus says that verse to his disciples, they're standing in Jerusalem. So he says, be my witnesses right here. You don't have to go everywhere. You need to be here too. Now, some people do need to go to that Judea and Samaria and to the outermost parts of the earth. But maybe for you, it's right here in Jerusalem. And that's where we start, right? So there's opportunities there no matter where you are. Um, I'm also, um, when I think about the, the needs around the world, um, I'm also put in perspective um, how blessed we are in America. Um, and maybe some of you have seen um, this uh, world, if the, if the world were a village of 100 people, what would it look like, right? So you took the whole world, reduced it down to a village of 100 people. And there's some YouTube videos on this, and there's lots of different stats around it, and I'm not sure all the stats are exactly perfect, but this is one of those that I was able to, to pull together. It might look something like this, right? So a village would have 14 people from the Americas. Um, 18 would be white, and 82 would be non-white. Uh, 80 would be living in substandard housing, 14 would be able to read and write, 11 would be malnourished, and one would be dying of, salvation, of starvation. 39 would have lack access to, to uh, improved sanitation. 24 would, would have electricity, only 24 out of 100. Um, 40 people would have access to the internet, um, seven would have a college education. So as you're sitting here, right, seven people out of 100 would have a college education, and you're one of them. Right? So one would have HIV, five would control 32% of the world's wealth, but only on those five would all be U.S. citizens. Very humbling, right, as we think about that and who we are in our world of 100 people. Um, and 33 would be receiving or attempting to live on only 3% of the income of the village. When I think about some of those stats, and again, they may not all be perfect, or different ones maybe, you know, might have increased a little bit, but that perspective of that is, we are that maybe upper 1%, 5%, um, if you think of all those things, if you're white, live in, grew up in America, have electricity, have the internet, have a college education, oh yeah, 
You know, we are a privileged few in this world. And you think about that, um, what is our responsibility in that, right? What does God expect of us if we have that type of privilege and opportunities, that type of education? Uh, this verse from Luke 12:48 says, For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. A couple of the slides from World Vision I'll just show you about needs around the world. This is the world's poor, looking at um, the, the red and the pink areas and just a big picture perspective. You can see the wealth in America and Australia and places like that. But the places where there's great needs in Africa, in the, the Middle East, in um, parts of Asia. And we compare that over with where the children are. The children are struggling. Child mortality. We see some of those same areas. And you can start to see that outlined area, which we'll point out here in just a second. And you look at um, people having enough to eat. Where is food scarcity? Where are people really struggling to really get um, their sustenance each day? In those same areas, that pink and red, and those areas where they're struggling in those same regions. And how about the health divide, right? I'm thinking about it from a health perspective. If I'm gonna go give healthcare somewhere, we are the places that are truly in need. And we're looking at those Africa and Middle East, those Eastern um, uh, Asian areas. And when you think about those areas, that is the area of the 1040 window. And you may be familiar with that term. If you're not, just very briefly, it's those areas in the Eastern Hemisphere that are from 10 degrees, uh, 10 degrees to 40 degrees north of the equator from Africa to Asia. This is what we refer to as the 1040 window. It is the region of the world that not only has the most socioeconomic challenges, poverty, child uh, mortality, um, uh, health divide, right, is all there. It also is the region that has the least access to the gospel. It is the hub of Hinduism, the hub of Islam, the hub of Buddhism, the least access to the Christian gospel, and it has the greatest physical needs. Isn't that interesting that those two are together? And I think when we think about that as Christians, and we think about where our impact can be the greatest, I often think, my goodness, let's all go to the 1040 window. This is where we need to be. Spiritual needs are the greatest. The physical needs are the greatest. And we can use, again, our vocation, our calling, our gifting to really impact those communities. So I think about that verse, again, our responsibility, right? For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And for the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. We're that 1%, that 5%, that 3%, the 7 with the college education. That's amazing. How can we use that and really to benefit um, people around the world? I also love this verse from Proverbs 31 around advocacy. So, so much we can do in these different realms, even advocating for people and speaking up for those who are, are poor, um, who don't have a voice, maybe in some of these countries where they, uh, freedom of speech is not there. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and needy. The Bible calls us to do that. So as we finish up here, um, we think about how do we apply this to our lives? How can we use, how can we best be used um, as we think about applying it? And again, I'm using medical missions because that's my passion, that's my vocation. You know, apply it to yours and how can you use yours in those realms? Be willing to serve, be willing to pass on your knowledge and teach it to others. Meet those physical needs, that's important, and a lot of your vocations will allow you to do that, but remember there are great spiritual needs as well. And when we look at the long-term benefits, the spiritual needs have a much more impactful than those physical needs.
needs. The physical needs are temporary. So we meet people, those physical needs for now, but the spiritual needs will last uh, for a lifetime, beyond a lifetime. Um, be open to using what God has for you, your gifts, your ability, and have a willing heart in that. I leave this um, story with you as we close. Um, some years ago, two evangelists were out in a tribal village in North Africa telling the people about Jesus. And after they had talked a while, the villagers interrupted to say, oh, we, have, we know who you're talking about. We've met him. And the evangelists were taken back. You haven't understood us, they said. You couldn't possibly have met Jesus. He died 1,900 years ago. But the villagers persisted, and finally one old, old villager stepped forward and said, yes, we have seen the Christ you are telling us about. There was a doctor here. And I think about that in the context of medical missions, right? That if we can give medical care and do it in a way that is uh, showing Christ, we, are, we can be Christ to those people so that people will actually see Christ in us as we're doing that. Use your vocation in that way. Again, whether it's medicine, it's education, it's social work, whatever it may be, um, find a place that people can see Christ in you. So let me uh, just close us in prayer. Uh, thank you for being here today, and I encourage you to um, go out and use, uh, use your vocation for the Lord. So let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to be here with these students and to share my heart um, for medical missions and the work um, that's going on around the world. Lord, I pray a blessing upon these students. You are using them in a mighty way, Lord, to be able to impact um, the world around us. I pray that you would empower them, give them um, the strength to do that, the knowledge, the skills, everything they need. Lord, we thank and praise you. I thank you for Karen and the work that they're doing here and uh, pray a blessing upon this place. Please be with us as we go out. Let us be your witnesses uh, right here in Jerusalem, but also to the uttermost parts of the earth. We thank and praise you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, thank you.